is fueled by Fireball. Yeah. Well done. Thanks. You're, um, you're getting good at that. I'm running out of voices, though, to do it differently. So it's going to, like, for those who listen to every podcast, I'm not sure that I've got that many voices uh, left for being able to promote that um, this podcast is fueled by Fireball. Perhaps we should just uh, get you hammered on the fireball and then get some voices that come out then. <laughs> Do your finest Mikey Goodman impersonations. Oh, no. Um, okay, so that's an idea, and that may happen over Christmas. Um, more on uh, sort of uh, the time of year later. Firstly, I want to say hello. We are the Real Life Rockstars podcast. Hello. I'm Dan. Yes, you are. And you are Mike. That's correct. And um, we are doing a bit of a different podcast to um, the rest that are currently up and available to listen to. Um, this one is uh, because we enjoy on our radio show, uh, by James Roger, uh, for those that don't know, uh, doing a end of year school report where we get to choose uh, the top 10 tracks of the year. Yes. Um, uh, no, top 10 albums of the year, sorry. Uh, with one uh, single of the year that um, is sort of bigger than everything. Um, That's pretty much... Yes. <laughs> so, we, so we're discussing whether or not uh, we should do like a top ten albums of the decade on the show. We're like, actually, this is far more fun. Yes. Um, because we can do it um, ourselves. So we're actually doing this one a bit pre-recorded. And massive, massive shout-out to Mike for uh, planning things this year is... Um, we're getting to at the point where, especially we're doing this podcast as well, burnout um, risk is getting real. Um, you know, we both are smashing things on uh, multiple fronts. Not to like boast or anything. It's just you know, be aware of your mental health. So Mike's idea was that uh, if we um, did a pre-record, which we are doing right now, and uh, then we could take a month off. All from podcasts actually, are pre-recorded. I mean, like pre-record uh, the yes. uh, not. We generally launch on the day that we record it. This is true, yes. Um, at least the so we're current. Yes. Yeah. But we don't need to be current for this podcast. Not at all. Um, and we're getting four weeks off from presenting, which is something that we haven't actually had in 12 years. Four whole weeks off having to um, think about uh, being in that mindset. So we're giving it a trial run because uh, we talk about good mental health on both the show and the podcast all the time. Mike ran with the idea for us and has come up with a way that we can just down sticks for a bit. Uh, we'll still be on social media, we'll still be manning all our um, inboxes, but yeah, just uh, um, this is our way of... No recording shows, podcasts. Giving ourselves a break uh, before we go into 2020, a new decade, a new decade. Yeah, man. Um, so, a new us, um, a new me bed. I'm going to do, <laughs> on basic bitch uh, sort of uh, things, I am going to do a basic bitch um, shout out this week. Rather than going through everybody or anything like that, we are just going to um, shout out everyone that has been supporting us. Is that because they're getting so many now? Um, a little bit, but also because this is going to be demanding to keep under um, an hour. Um, for So we're doing it in two parts, an hour each. Um, <laughs> That's what we plan to do. Exactly, this is what we plan to do. Uh, but it's uh, 10 to 6 of the top 10 on this one, and then we're going to do uh, 5 to 1 on the next one. Albums of the decade. Uh, so we've both got all the details lined up for uh, both of our um, things. We're both, for once, actually sat here with um, notes and a laptop um, to be able to uh, give proper details. So it makes it sound like we wing it most of the time. Definitely not. That's not even uh, slightly my interview style uh, <laughs> either. So, uh, What's your name and what do you do? <laughs> which band name come from? Uh, <laughs> no, so um, that's pretty much everything covered before we just jump into um, the top ten. Yeah, well, you said like it's pre-recorded but yeah. it's the last ones of the year so it is the last ones of the year yeah it's been a good year so we should uh, say th literally thanks to everyone that supported us through everything this year because the podcast's new and the radio show's going well and our YouTube is storming ahead and we actually are at charting the, and all that kind of stuff we're at the best ratings that we've ever had we're ending the year uh, more successfully and that and at any other point in our rock show career and then we're going to take a month off <laughs> uh, uh, well, we're, we're, we're going to take a, um, a uh, sort of sneaky month off where we uh, um, do a brunch pre-recording like this yeah. Um, so whilst uh, you'll see um, us being around a bit still, but yeah, 
Um, I'm super excited to go through um, this list, to be fair, uh, because you know every album on my list. I'm sure I know every album on your list. How about do you? Um, and we have generally... <laughs> I've still got to look at it and go, oh yeah. Uh, I know there's going to be ones on your list that I was like, damn it, why did I not even think of that band? <laughs> uh, to be fair, my I, I have... Mine is... Like, okay, so um, what I've got written down before we actually jump into the top uh, ten, and this is uh, we've got to explain our own criteria as to how we came to a decision of top ten, because we didn't even give each other criteria. We uh, just no, said no. <laughs> yeah. a top ten. So, I'll go first. My criteria is I have to like over 75% of the tracks on the album. When you say like, you mean... Like, actually listen to, really enjoy. You're not just sort of sitting through to get to the next one, like... You um, you can think back. You can name most of the album. Oh, okay, yeah. This is my criteria for what I am sort of doing. So also, I went with all of my favourites first, um, and went through my favourites uh, back catalogues. But that's why it's kind of surprising because some of my favourites got it um, got my favouritism almost early on before yeah. uh, 2010. Um, but also, there's an emotional element to pretty much every track on uh, this album as well for me. Okay. Um, or on this top ten. So each, um, I'll I'll give why it's so important to me as well. Um, on that front, and um, yeah, just also, uh, I've given zero fucks to um, anything apart from my personal taste on this one. Same here. Like, <laughs> this is this is just what I find myself listening to under the banner of rock and metal um, the most. Um, and so there is actually some quite new stuff on here. I see. I'm the other way. I've got nothing from the last two years. Well, you'll under you will understand my choices on the new stuff, uh, particularly on I think um, one that sits in this podcast and one that sits in the next podcast for the reasons I've explained my criteria to be. Okay. Um, is is yours roughly the same criteria wise was there anything else that was in your mind whilst you were like sort of totally also alive? one of those where I've gone back and listened to them all in the last week or so because obviously I'm a forward planner I'm like you <laughs> yeah no I wrote this <laughs> last second um, uh, uh, so I've gone back and listened to them just to prove that I still know the the words to every song that's that's the main thing for me it's like if I know all the words to the songs and I've got that emotional connection to it, then it's up there. Which is why there's no black metal, because I can't understand what To be fair, saying. bud, and that <laughs> actually does trend on my list as well, that I know most of the words to most of uh, like yeah. uh, the key songs. Or at least that I can sing the guitar bits <laughs> and things like that. It's, it's the one that I can quite happily drive along and sing out loud to. Yeah. I don't sing out loud a lot. <laughs> well, again, you will give it um, as mine because these are, uh, for Mike, uh, the uh, sort of highlight reel of um, stuff I've made him sing along. Um, I say sing along to. Let me sing along is the uh, when I've been driving home from gigs um, back when uh, we used to do it. Oh, it's the Infliction Pain uh, uh, the, the Infliction soundtrack, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right, okay. Um, so, okay, top ten. And I have written down... Are we going straight in now, are we? Are we going to go straight in now? Hang on, I will need to wet my whistle. Especially as you're going to go first. Oh, am I? Yeah. Oh, bugger. Good old Dr Pepper. Fireball. <laughs> it's a good combination, right, for you? Oh, no, 100%. Um, I, uh, I also found that... Um, I don't know if everybody's going to go with me on this, but... Cherry Coke and Fireball is like the one. So, um, Ooh. yeah, the um, it, it's like um, I, it used to be uh, sort of Cherry Coke and uh, Captain Morgan's was also like a thing, and then yeah, so another brand that they another brand our podcast exactly. And then I we got <laughs> sponsored, and I was like, right, I may as well just see whether my favourite things with other things work with Fireball. And I wish that. I wish that this was just a promo thing, but <laughs> it's actually true. I switched to the one that sponsor us because they, well, they give us free alcohol. <laughs> and it works with everything that we've previously drank stuff with. That's so, cool though, man. Yeah. Well, you've just made yourself a new cocktail and you get to festival season next next year and everyone was going to be drinking the Dev and Dan. What's that? What's a Dev and Dan? Well, I am actually working on at the moment. <laughs> cherry what, Pepsi. What energy drink works best so that I can have a firebomb? 
Oh. A firebomb is going to be a thing, and, I, and like, I'm going to like do it the right way. The so Red Bull, or you mean you're thinking like going I, down some of the monster routes? I, like, I'm, I'm thinking there might be a flavour that really complements it. I've just got to, uh, but I don't. Oh, like... cinnamon, isn't it? So yeah. what goes well with cinnamon? Um, something appley. Uh, that's um, so. But I... there's an apple and kiwi monster. That could be one hell of a bomb. All right. If we, if we don't do a podcast in 2020, it's because Dan killed his <laughs> liver off uh, over Christmas, and uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, honestly, I'm going to make firebomb a thing. Firebombs. Firebombs. It'd be on, it'd be on the tour next year with Stocksy, and we'd just be like, firebombs! <laughs> oh, don't forget, I've also uh, got that uh, skull glass from back here when we lived together. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, so uh, I could uh, do what I did originally and uh, blow vape up inside of that make it into an actual firebomb so that when you lift it up, vape comes uh, off the drink. Well, you heard it here first. Um, keep an eye on our social media for whether I do actually come up with uh, a... Firebomb, sponsored by Real Life Rockstar's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll do you an exclusive podcast for every 500 firebombs you drink. Which <laughs> is just absurd things I say whilst I'm on it. Um, okay, so let's jump into the top ten. Okay. And normally, um, because uh, of the way the dynamic on our show works, um, as, which I'm not sure we've actually mentioned on the podcast, for anybody that does wonder, the dynamic on the show was vaguely sort of um, structured years ago, but actually uh, one that we discussed quite heavily um, at the time, where I'm like, nah, your name's on the show, you've got to be the, the, the sensible uh, presenter out of the two of us if there is such a thing. <laughs> uh, but it does mean that on these sorts of lists as well, you always end up being uh, the one that gives you number one second because you are the name on the show. So, Maha, I'm going to be the one that gives mine uh, like sort of at the end because I don't get to do that on the show. So you get to go first for like the first time. Okay. Right. What is <coughs> at number 10? on your uh, top 10 albums of the decade. Yeah, we have to say decade, because you can't really say the the teens, can you? Yeah, no, that's a bit, bit weird. Yeah. Uh, yes. Give so, me a list of your favourite teens. <laughs> uh, the top 10 albums of 2010 to 2020. <laughs> okay, I can do that. The first one comes from 2017. Oh. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's by a band from Pittsburgh. Okay. Can you guess who it is yet? Not... No, it's not coming uh, straight to mind. Oh, okay. Uh, Code Orange. Oh, yeah. Ah. Yeah, no, you... Fever. Yeah, you definitely went um, nuts for that I album, snapped right? my neck to that one. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's kind of a, a bit of your criteria as well, is if you're willing to pit to it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to be there. Yeah, that band's in my top ten. Um, <laughs> the one I'll come out of retirement for every time. Well, you, you've been to see Code Orange more times than me. Uh, because uh, like the first time that you uh, interviewed them, I'm not sure I was there. Uh, that was with Gajira, wasn't it? Yeah, and I don't think I was there. No, for you that weren't. One. That was awesome because that interview did really well. Mm. It's in our top ten on our uh, YouTube channel. Yes, that I did with uh, Reba. But yeah, just that whole album was great, just for taking out some anger as I walked to work or. Um, or, or the other way around. I guess it's a short little album as well. It's it's not like it's one of those that kind of drags on and on. I'm just seeing if I can find how long it is. Because I've got my laptop open right here. I'm so proud of you. Uh, no, it doesn't say. But yeah, it's a short album, but it's it's punchy and it's great for a stomp home. That's what I found it had a, a good emotional attachment to. Mm-hmm. Plus, they, they just broke down some barriers with it as well. Like, yeah. the their live show was absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah, it, it just crushed. And then they ended up like doing things with um, NXT Takeover and, yeah. and like actually playing live and things like that. And they had like lots of uh, sort of support from people within the metal industry as well for a, yeah. for a debut band as well well kind of new debutish but kind of band that the support they were getting from people you know as big as like Corey Taylor who at the time of the release was they, they proper yeah. they, they generated waves but not because they were <laughs> like hitting the promo side of things uh, so far but everybody was discovering them yeah um, at the time but it took me a while to do the live, like understand the live performance because it, um, I didn't come with you until the second one, and then when I saw them live, I was like, no, okay, now I get it. Yeah, you know, um, 
Because they don't strictly have a front man, do they? No, and they don't strictly adhere to any particular kind of sound. Um, anything from sort of like hardcore, metalcore, through to like punk, through to sort of like Numenesque sort of uh, new wavy type mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. stuff in there, industrial sort of, uh, uh, what am I thinking, like Jace Lewis and Fear Factory, that kind of sound as well. It's It's just, there's literally like, bits of everything and it just absolutely crushes it yep 100% so that is my choice at number 10 which was uh, Code Orange Forever from January 2017 mate on Roadrunner Records okay <laughs> get my radio voice on shall I so so what's at your number 10 mm, is it well it's only three bands you like um Four. No. Four. Oh, um, okay. So what? That's, I was going to say one's got three albums out this decade. Others <laughs> have got two, right? <laughs> well, there is some surprises on that front. Even for me, when I was going through writing everything up, um, because, like I said, some of my favourites, um, and that also comes out um, in my placement over the top ten. Some of my favourite uh, favourites didn't hit as hard as I was expecting to because the albums fell out of the decade. Um, uh, or just there's no carryover from the noughties no and there, there was also just some surprises where I was like no nope, I'm taking that one out because it doesn't have that 75% hit rate so this is actually quite a surprising one um, that does have that hit rate but is not um, it was released on the 29th of June 2018 oh last um, year last year but First non-surprising band for you um, is Bullet For My Valentine. Oh, that's a surprise. <laughs> with their most recent one, Gravity. Um, and this one's been um, great for me because, again, I get that 75% hit rate. There's a massive emotional connection mm. to it for me because it was released last summer. and I don't go into it, but I had a very tough last uh, year. Um, and I got very emotionally attached to a couple of albums, this being one of them. Since that album, though, I think we've seen them four times exactly. in the space of a year. And all of those shows have been absolutely incredible. Um, I, it was recorded um, and released through Spine Farm. And obviously anybody that um, sort of has paid attention to modern metal for the last 10 years, um, 15 years, would know who Bullet For My Valentine are. Oh, for sure. Um, I liked the podcasts. I also heard about this. Um, Matt did do that silly thing in my eyes where he said that modern metal was dead and um, I think he was either just trying to get a reaction which in some ways fair enough um, but also that they're understandably big enough to not be able to connect with um, the underground like scene as necessarily oh yeah for sure I I think they're definitely one of the um, leading bands from the UK that can push all the way to headline download because someone's got to because the bands are retiring <laughs> well again we've we've often said like who's going to be like the uh, sort of uh, headline uh, covering uh, like uh, people to step up and I've said Trivium for um, a long time and I've also said Bullet as you do and it's because they've um, never sort of lost any um, any placement on a stage <laughs> they always come back as strong as the year before if not stronger in a different way so difference between playing main support on the main stage and headlining the second stage is Bullet hasn't headlined the second stage, they've only done main support. Well, uh, Download, they have played the second stage, headlined it. Uh, and not recently, I mean, like, the progression oh, right, sorry, um, yeah. is that way around. So they've headlined that stage and now they generally sit in second Well, or don't third. forget this year they headlined um, Slam Dunk. And absolutely slayed it. But were also the secret surprise guests for Radio 1 on the rock stage at Reading. And Which was awesome because we found out about it. <laughs> Normally we don't find out about the secret guests at Reading until they've actually just come off stage and we're like, oh my God, we know about this hours in advance. And oh, we we've, got no, we've got no we interviews and we know the quick way round. <laughs> and we got there and it was just awesome. It was like what, six, 20 minute set or something like that. Six um, tracks and Bullet doing nothing but the, the biggest bangers that they have. <laughs> just over, yeah. Um, and I believe... I can't remember. And it was absolutely baking hot. It was, it was almost like one of the hottest days in the UK of the year in the and decade. Shout out to Matt Tuck who did not take his leather jacket off the entire set. He must have been roasted. 
Depends where they flew in from, though, I guess, because yeah. they toured this album non-stop. So good choice for number 10, man. Yeah. Um, but that, that only goes, if that's at number 10, <laughs> what have you got further up by them? Because I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> this is top 10 albums of the um, Dakar. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so what, have I got to do my number 9 now? Um, I think I've covered all the details, so given the uh, label, um, oh, the length of it, uh, just because uh, it happens to have it on my wiki, was... Uh, 41 minutes 37 seconds for the standard release. Oh, I can outdo you on length top chumps for my number nine. All I was going to say as well, um, on the uh, track listing, it was one of the few albums where the bonus tracks, um, one of them actually ended up being a favourite of mine because it was that well written. Oh, I thought you were going to say the bonus track's the one that just pushed it over. <laughs> if we include the bonus ad, it is a lot longer. <laughs> okay, so uh, what is your number nine? Oh, my number nine came out on the 17th of June, 2016 on Roadrunner Records. Okay. Which was the sixth studio album from French metal band Gojira. And it's called Magma. Ah, fair play. I thought Gojira might um, turn up in uh, your uh, top ten. Oh, yeah. 43 minutes and 56 seconds, according to Wikipedia. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this album, man, what more can I say? It's... It's the album I think that's pushed them. Th- I know they've had an album out since, but it's the album that just skyrocketed them mm-hmm. uh, globally. And the live show off the back of it just got bigger and better. Okay. Just, I, 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 I think they're another of the band. Give it maybe seven or eight years. I know they've already headlined like Bloodstock, but they could definitely be pushing for the contention of headlining. The, the super festivals like Download and Rock and Ring and things like that. Like... As long as that, because for me, they're an interesting uh, rule breaker. Yes. Yeah. Um, normally, bands that, because uh, I love Gajira, and this is said with no like sort of criticism, but they don't have the most amount of like bounding about the place energy on stage. They're one of the few bands that uh, the riffage and um, like the atmosphere is so strong that they can just stand there, sort of old school, almost Metallica style. Yeah. Um, just guitars and stances. The riff from Stranded Man. Yeah. Uh, that is just an incredible hurt. It's like, oh my god. Was that the one that um, local sort of, um, what do they call themselves, extreme thrash? Uh, do you remember Monkey uh, stood on stage? Uh, shout out to our friend Monkey. Yes. Um, and uh, was that the one where he was just shredding uh, gently because that, that was his style as well? Just like, um, it was just stood there and even he was sort of saying, this is just one of the best things like written it was just like oh and it was we saw them um and they actually, bloodstock uh, no i was going to say the extra show oh yeah um is was one of our first attempts as a radio show of doing um like recorded stuff uh, video recorded <laughs> uh but we didn't actually um, have the permission to do video recording so i just took a bunch of photos and then uh, we did a, like a um, clip show, and it's ended up still being one of the. It's quite popular. Yeah, it's quite a popular like one. A montage of photos. Um, but that gig was, and I'll always remember it, because uh, they brought across a couple of other French bands. Yeah. Um, and I still like pay attention to what Clone with a K um, release because I remember how much I enjoyed um, the guy's stage presence. He was like, um, sort of this, like, um, sort of pretty boy sort of thing, but he just like was so into this weird. Like almost soft uh, metalcore um, on the vocals into like the brutal parts, and it, it was a very nice mix. And then um, Gajira came out and just like completely decimated, yeah, decimated the um, sound in the place. Um, yeah, I've seen them a few times in other venues as well, like the Jaeger tour and stuff. Mm. They did, which just like well, this this album Magma got them nominated for best rock album in, yeah, in the fair. Grammys. So that's that's how good this album was so if you if you haven't heard um, Magma by Gojira go and check it out especially Stranded just put that on loop that, that opening riff is just like oh, oh, oh. that's that's my that, that was my emotional connection to it <laughs> so I'm guessing it's your number nine now it is and second are you still deciding what your number nine no, no, is um, I was actually like this <laughs> This one, um, again, was just some of uh, why this is on there as well. It's just the the sheer fascination I've had in this band. Um, and I've done interviews with them. We're working on me interviewing um, the lead singer of it at some point. Um, but 
I've even interacted uh, with him on social media once, uh, well, admittedly, not always in the best way, because I like doing uh, Snapchat videos with the voice modulating, um, and he did yes. see one of those when I posted them. <laughs> posted it. Not the best, uh, not the best thing for him to see. Um, but this is um, asking Alexandria. Oh, they had to appear somewhere on your of list. Of course, they're going to appear somewhere, and it's. Think about they had quite a. Uh, a quite a weird decade I would say oh this is why this one's on there for sure okay um, because again 75% hit rate of being able to sing along the lyrics and like the tracks um, and um, it was the last album uh, before Danny left it's from Death Till Destiny oh uh, the one where you started to um, pay attention to them because of the track moving on just the one song yeah <laughs> and then that's why you ended up like sort of being into We Are Harlot um, yes. and it, but the reason for me that this is on there is one I I bought it when it came out I don't generally buy albums but I bought this one now so that I had a, a bought copy of it um, the the backstory to it is just also immensely um, fascinating um, uh, because the production and recording was done across seven different studios uh, for one album uh, the runtime. Is that because they were on their huge world tour? Uh, well, they also said that they wanted to um, uh, do uh, some of the recording in uh, the tour bus. But the reason this is fascinating is because what's come out since, um, and we've paid a lot of attention to through podcasts and stuff like that, um, is how much uh, the band was changing and the people in it were changing. And like, they've always been quite upfront about um, their lives, and uh, Danny uh, more so than I would say most in the band. Um, and you know, this was uh, as noted in um, a track off their self-titled album. Um, this is uh, where they were starting to like really fall apart underneath the immense pressure that they were under. And over the years afterwards, it's been quite interesting to like listen to the podcast and actually get respect for them, like as being a lot more mature than what we knew asking Alexandria to be. Yeah. Because they were facing immense amounts of uh, you know industry pressures and being uh, like pushed and pulled and you know fed drugs and stuff like that. And that's where the first track off this album is the one where they mix in um, where Danny fell apart on stage um, and. Uh, like there's a famous YouTube video and they took the audio from that and made it part of a track. It's just like um, the whole thing uh, is... Because Asking Alexandra, their writing style is to narrate where they are at the time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this one was fascinating. Everything that followed afterwards was fascinating. The Black is not actually on my top ten. Um, and this is what may surprise you. Well, they don't even sing it though, do they, anymore? Oh, no. Um, <gasps> it's like it's been wiped from their existence. Um, a little bit, but um, I think it's also one of those things that they're just like... Uh, Dennis Stoff's an interesting person to follow. I follow him on Instagram because I like his voice and I like what he's produced. And uh, Drag Me Out's actually going to um, hit my top ten um, school report of the year because I really like the album um, and stuff like that. But no, it's it, it was just so fascinating. And part of the reason it's on there is because there are radio shows dated uh, where I am making predictions about everything that will happen <laughs> uh, to Asking Alexandria based on what we were watching at this point. Because me and you, um, like me and Mike, have just discussed what we uh, love for ages. So he's had to be put up with years of me going and this happening with uh, asking. But even you said it. It's been quite interesting to see one how right I was, um, and two how um, you know much they've used living like life so visibly to their advantage. And I like the album. It's got some absolute bangers on that they still uh, riff live. It was the start, as I say, of the change into them doing their more rock vibes. They also gave Howard Jones um, like uh, somewhere to be able to play um, and get because I even talked to them about it in the interview. This was the point where he wasn't doing very much, so they were one of the bands that sort of did a featuring with him, so that oh, okay. um, there was something going on. Um, and just like some of the tracks on here are absolutely um, fantastic, uh, but yeah, the, there's so much back history online, like YouTube and stuff like that, to asking that uh, you can do a whole thing. It was also the one, um, no, no, uh, that was uh, that one, that one, is uh, the dispersal. So that was my number nine. Cool. Yeah. Not bad so far then. Thank you, thank you. We haven't clashed on any acts. And I haven't surprised you yet. No. No. So, what is your number eight? Um, it's the one that's between nine and seven. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I have to put up with all Unky of the jokes. time. 
Um, my number eight is The Hunter by Mastodon. I did think Mastodon was going to be appearing somewhere on there. Um, this, uh, this. Of course, it's the album with Curl of the Bird on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it was one of their uh, non-conceptual uh, albums because beforehand they used to do concepts. Yes. Basically, uh, but then I got to interview uh, Bran about the album when it came out on the album cycle that they were doing. And he said, I suppose there is that kind of wood element. So there is a bit of a theme because a lot of the things have got some sort of wood element and the giant um, stag's head or whatever you call it was made out of wood for the album cover. And all was that, that the one with the, the the single that we really loved or am I thinking of a different one? You're thinking of a different one. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, <coughs> not, I will open uh, openly admit a Mastodon whilst I have stood probably quite a few times with you and watched Mastodon. They're not your bag, are they? They're my bag live. Like, I can watch them live. Oh, yeah. And really, really enjoy it. And I've got nothing but respect. It's a bit like Tesseract or the same thing, you know? Yeah. I can stand there live. I am in it completely. I just... I'm quite honest by Some my Some of us habit. immerse themselves even further into Mastodon live shows, don't I? <laughs> 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 that time that you uh, got a, um, a little bit tiddled um, whilst watching them, I went off to um, uh, grab something from the campsite. Well, it was the Gajira gig. We were just we were that that cycle. Yeah. That we were on about with Gajira, and then mastered on afterwards at Bloodstock. And yeah. We were quite on our way to uh, to it. Yeah. Uh, for, for for Gajira, and I stayed and dabbled a bit more whilst you went and got warm clothing. In the in the changeover, yeah. for some reason it was a, a lengthy changeover, and you took your time. So I I, partake, well, no, I, I partaked a bit more, a bit more, and then Mastodon came on, and obviously I partaked some more during that. Then, yeah, then you returned. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, I returned to a, like in a particular song, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I, I returned not off this album. Not off this album, but I returned to a particular song. And then the song finished, the next one kicks in, this gentleman turns to me and goes, I wonder if we're going to get this track. And like, honestly, my jaw just dropped. Um, and it, it's now, like, we've got certain moments over the um, career that we've uh, done where, um, yeah, um, we, 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 we tease each other about for years to come. <laughs> Fortunately, one of my worst moments on uh, that note isn't actually a band that's hit this uh, top uh, 10 uh, album, so uh, that's right. there's that. There is a trivium story there. <laughs> but yeah, this, this uh, album is just awesome. Who was that out um, through? Uh, <laughs> strangely again, Roadrunner Records. <laughs> Honestly, this top 10 is not sponsored by Roadrunner Records, but uh, one, two, three... Five. Yeah, half of the albums, just yeah. by fluke, uh, uh, by are on uh, Roadrunner. Yeah. How random's that? That is crazy. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, anyway, uh, Macedon. Yeah, um, that was my number eight, The Hunter, <laughs> and um, a little story about Macedon. Well, you are going to um, probably appreciate my number eight and one of the more surprising uh, ones on my uh, list, because mine is quite basic bitch it is literally the stuff I like is um, it see I can't even see over my laptop to see what you've written down because you hid it away from me <laughs> <laughs> this is what it must be like being on the radio show <laughs> a little bit uh, <laughs> um, so this is another new one and it's the like emotional partner of uh, my first number um, so same as gravity this was released around a similar um, ish time towards the end but um, I I I really had a, an emotional attachment to this for my own reasons again. Um, and so this one is Holy Hell by Architects. Oh, they're, um, they're not in my top ten. It was, it was close. Um, if it hadn't been Holy Hell, it would have been All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us. Um, but I, this one, I, again, I just know more of the words. Um, I have often said um, how much I appreciate um, architects and the way that the members use uh, their standing within the community um, and their presence in interviews. I, um, as, a, as a journalist, a fan and just a person, they, they set a really nice tone, it's not that, but it's not swaggering and it's not anything like that. They're just, 
they're all encompassing, um, everybody's equal, um, gigs are safe, there's certain things that that references, and also they've, I think, and I, I again, I, I have so much respect for the way that they've handled what happened there with Tom Searle, um, because if you're a fan of Architects and you know what has uh, gone down, and for those who don't, it was after a three year battle with uh, skin cancer, he passed away. Um, and um, there was just so much to it. Um, and then they dropped like almost over a year, it looks like, um, over a year before the actual album came out, they dropped the first track from it. Uh, which was Doomsday, and that mm. absolutely lit everybody up. Um, and then on uh, November 9th, uh, 2012, the entire album dropped, and I remember just putting it on, and um, Death Is Not Defeat. And I was just like, okay, this was just, it was unbelievably inspiring for the way that they've handled what's happened. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, the words that were written were just, you know, they, um, I don't think there's anybody uh, that gets to a certain age that doesn't have to deal with the situation that they dealt with in one way or another, be it fat friends, family, um, even sometimes work, you know, this stuff can affect everybody. And these guys, like I said, they don't hold themselves up to be an example of anything, but that is why I consider them quite a good example of, like, um, you know, they're just really good humans. It's also boosted their career as well. It might sound a bit bad, I guess, but there have been, if, if you look back at history, there's been bands that have lost a pivotal member mm. through death, and the band have then come back and actually got stronger and grown their fan base and their songs and stuff and got stronger, and that's exactly the same for architects. It's like I'm they've lost a pivotal member. like a bad way, it's, it's the band and they've, the fans. Yeah, I mean, like lyric, the way like they write their lyrics are stronger, yeah. the, the state, the music's stronger and harder, and there's more, it just seems to be if you look at those bands that have lost I was thinking say like Metallica for instance when they come back they, they like a, became a much much bigger band because more people were paying attention to them whereas before I don't know maybe with Architects or other bands that have lost members people were going like yeah that's a band they chug on kind of thing and then all of a sudden they lose a member and those people that haven't really been number one fanboying yeah. for that band at that time then veer back towards them so a tragedy like that solidifies your fan base whereas you know you can get a bit complacent as a fan i guess going oh another album i'll check it out and things like that it's well like, we've talked about um the fact that uh, the the lincoln park thing and yeah uh, yeah i watched them the last time that they were at download and you um, did the thing where you're like i'll catch them next time um and we know that there was actually going to be a next time at download exactly. as well and that's the, the sad thing um and like I say, it's it's not stronger in a and like a, in any way a bad sense. It's like I said, these these guys really um, you know with their fans and um, being one of them as well and like the the way that they've handled everything and the you know the conversations that I had from stage and everything like that. It's no, I just like I said, I I loved this album. It really spoke to me. Um, there's so. Many I also bands. think this album as well is when Sam really found his voice. That is also like the thing, um, and uh, <laughs> his voice on this is just absolutely insane. Like, um, again, with Death Is Not Defeat, there's this bit where he does like this open, like sort of a scream, um, like on the soft bit where it like sort of goes through, um, and just ah. Oh. Ah, as a vocalist myself, um, not one that performs or anything like that. <laughs> you mean in this shower? Come on. Um, and the car. Um, but no, as somebody that loves to sing along um, to stuff, uh, it was just, yes, Sam, you are feeling this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Architects. They were hell. they were one of the bands I was like, ooming and erring about getting in my top ten, and unfortunately they... So close, man. Yeah. So close. Yeah. So what, that's that's eight taken care of? That is indeed. So, you have to go for number seven now. I do. My number seven begins with a five. Which I was just looking at the computer screen. I saw the five and I've got, hang on, I've got it on seven on my pad written down. And then I just realised, no, it's five, the grey chapter. Oh, okay, <laughs> By Slipknot. Okay, okay. Yes, because there have been... So before this album came out, we I think we were both 
it's one of the uh, one of the bands that we really bonded over like mm-hmm. going to gigs just listening to them sat in your car like rocking out well, we, and we things went like to, that and one of our first missions together ever was going to um, Cardiff in yeah. uh, and you remember my BMW we hoomed it man <laughs> we really did um, got back in like absurdly quick time uh, but no that was the like sort of one where like um, but that was that was before the great chapter because then mm. Yeah, there was the Grey Chapter was their first proper release for six years. Yeah, and in that time, yeah, obviously they they lost Paul Grey, mm-hmm. um, which was dramatic because he was one of the guys that kind of gave Slipknot their their visual element. Yeah, him, uh, uh, yeah, he kind of did the, like the the artwork and their look and their st- and, you know their stage setup and stuff. Him and Clown worked together mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that, uh, along with Joey Jordison, who also uh, left the band in that time as well. Yes. Due to other reasons, but we won't go into that because it's already well documented. And Joey's got other bands, and they've got new drummers and things, a new guitar and a new on. bassist. Things yeah, and they they came back really strong with the Grey Chapter. The the release for me, the teasing of it was so exciting because it literally just like that kind of static Halloweeny gothic kind of <laughs> yeah yeah and and the goat's head and they just built it up. It was like oh, there's going to be a Slipknot release, and it's it was like. The first time I'd really seen social media pre-promo for a pre-promo promo, if that makes kind of sense. It's like, yeah. next week we're going to be dropping something to let you know that in two weeks' time we're going to be dropping something else. And it, it literally whipped everyone up to a frenzy by the time the first trailer came out. It was like a movie release almost. 100%. And then the 100%. album dropped and I was just like, I listened to it the first time I was like, mm, okay, this is the direction they're going to go. And then, yeah, it just kind of built and built. And it's like, yeah, this, this is badass. And... Whilst uh, I will openly admit that there there is no Slipknot on my top ten, hundred oh. uh, percent. Like again, um, the thing that takes me out on those is I don't know seventy five percent of the album. Um, I like Slipknot. And oh yeah, yeah. I like following Slipknot there, um, but there there's so many bands that um, are like by that definition not on my list. So um, again, well, I we've seen Slipknot so many times live as well. It's just uh, like I, I think. As a, a in that five or six years they had between the album releases, they were still touring because they did the memorial tour for Paul Gray, and then they were doing bit, yeah, like they're, like yeah, they're re, doing re, recoming or whatever. Yeah, they they were still playing mm-hmm. live and milking, milking, but still getting you know the money and the stuff. There was no real rush for them to get back into the studio. No, which is uh, which is cool. They took their time, come to terms with everything that had gone on get the new guys settled in and they were playing live with them and things like that so yeah. it kind of made sense really and again this is another Grammy nominated band was that the one with the exploding masks video as the yeah I think star? so yeah. yeah I think if I remember the negative one I think the it Devil was Devil and I yeah Devil and, well one of those two yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but yeah so that's that's my only Slipknot um, okay but yeah. it's it's the one that kind of was the dawn of the new era of Slipknot I guess it was the, how they are now, although they um, the, had a couple of lineup changes since. But I, I like how much more mature Slipknot are now. They, they, whilst they stood for and they do still stand for something big, is um, I like the fact that over the years and the Grey Chapter was one of the ways that they and I think the blowing up the masks and the fact that you know um, they've been quite open about the fact that they're maturing and progressing over time. Um, it's They're definitely one of the biggest bands of the decade no mm. matter what where we put the albums and stuff you can't imagine the last 10 years without having Slipknot in it this is the thing um, so whereas you can imagine the last 10 years for without Avenged Sevenfold who have also headlined major festivals around the world a couple of times on different album cycles that should really be up in the top 10 for bands of the last decade because they've really pushed through or Five Finger Death Punch and stuff like that but Slipknot. Those those kind of bands, for me at least, owe Slipknot the, uh, you know, gratitude for pushing through and breaking through and proving 100%. that you can have big productions and big band members and well, personalities I, and stuff. I maintain that um, the sister band of the sound in many ways because you know they were both on uh, the supercharged album that we always called the new metal um, yeah, yeah. sort of hit list of two thousand and two. Um, is you had. Light and dark, but of a similar style. So you had Lincoln Park, I would say, were the 
So the sister pushed through band, a band that exploded as big as Slipknot did, if not a bit bigger, yeah, but yeah. with a much lighter sound that progressed yeah. in a different way. Um, but for me, because they were so similar in era, um, that, and they were, you know, signature headliners, I'd almost put System in that same, like, sort of crowd. Yeah. Um, so there's certain headliners that came through from that 2002 sort of reimagining of the industry. Um, and then you've got the the well-known but never uh, main stage um, headliners that download like Limp Biscuit of that era as well. All kind of pushed through to uh, much bigger stakes at the same time. But Slipknot were one of the biggest, like Linkin Park. But yeah. like I say, almost light and dark, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And it was, yeah, that you cannot Yeah, you imagine. mean you could, you could hear Linkin Park tunes on Daytime Radio 1, but you wouldn't get a Slipknot track on Daytime Radio 1. But, no, they're but still that's why doing they did the same. subliminal verses, wasn't it? Was to get um, their um, stuff played. Yeah, yeah, but, but well, yeah, that's what I mean, though. It's like, but equally, they're both, when, on the live side of things, they're both the same sort of pinnacle of success. Exactly. It's um, just, and like, you can't imagine the last 10 years without either band. Yeah. I, um, I agree with you 100% on that. But they only come in at number seven on my chart, so. Right, so this is how unsurprising and basic my uh, one is. The next uh, band is Bullet for My Valentine! Woo! Um, but I think. Should have come up with some rules for this. Yeah. <laughs> one album per artist. Nah, no, no. Um, we said top, a decade top ten for yeah, us yeah. personally. And the rules are for the um, rock show. This one was far more fun because I, I held myself to quite an aggressive standard, which is why it is certain. Um, bands, but oh, imagine if sorry, imagine if we did it on Spotify playlist. That'd be very different. I mean, top ten tracks of the decade. <laughs> Celine for you all the way, right? It really would be. Um, <laughs> anyway, so the the album is Fever. So the one that came out in um, on sorry on April twenty sixth, twenty ten. So it just sneaks in there uh, for this decade. Okay. But I remember this was one of the ones that um, that you uh, got it through the show um, and gave it to me and went, actually, mate, this one's quite a bit of a banger. And I was like, wait, you like Bill of My Valentine? I was like, didn't realise I would until I listened to this one. And it's because this was like the um, the time where they showed that they could, a bit before the next album, which was a bit um, uh, <laughs> awful. Um, but this was Your Betrayal, uh, sort of The Last Fight, Fever, um, and... Like other tracks that have stayed in their set for years afterwards, um, but your betrayal being almost their fear of the dark, their war pigs. Okay. Everybody knows, like even you know. It's quite true. So now that, that could just be looped, couldn't it? <laughs> um, that is a and um, what's quite interesting is that is not just for bullet fans like a song of the era it it was so big in like metal club nights and everything like that that everybody knows um, oh that yeah you put that intro on and you know people are coming from the bar to have a bit of a mosh around if you're DJing it and even, even, if, they, now. even if they're not a bullet fan <laughs> yeah yeah do you know what I mean it's like 10 years on it's yeah there's certain and like this this album is so strong like, like I say they released Temper Temper three years later which we can all agree is I don't remember that one <laughs> but it's, it's their blackout um, <laughs> the black it's uh, like the one that um, Asking have completely ignored um, their album that didn't uh, go down well I like the fact that uh, Bullet are human they haven't just had um, banger album after banger album after banger album they actually had an entire album which they even themselves kind of dismissed and they but, had a whole album that they wrote and they wrote off exactly um, so uh, this was you know this was their last sort of big um, sort of run but Fever and Gravity in many ways my uh, top 10 album they're kind of like the um, the off sound uh, bullet for my Valentine because you get Matt going in a thrash mood for um, like an album and then he will do something a bit more uh, different tempo with uh, different like inspirations and if you think about Gravity that was quite progressive for bullet for my Valentine and so was Fever of its time because it, it was the ones with like he was using synthy bits it was awful exciting oh um, and that one uh, came out through uh, Sony Music. Okay. Um, and what's your running length? Uh, my running length on that one is 49 minutes 33. Oh, that's, um, that's your release. value for your money. Yeah. Um, and as well as uh, that there, um, I have a, quite a 
quite a decent amount of uh, an emotional attachment to all of the bonus tracks across the different ed um, editions that came out. You can now listen to all of them. Um, but yeah, no, there was uh, this. This also hit a note, um, shall we say, uh, personally at the time as well. Um, and I have good memories attached to it because, it, like I say, it's an early show memory uh, when we weren't necessarily working together twenty four hours a day uh, like we do now. Um, I remember this being something that we kind of shared as the show early days. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think there's probably also like a certain amount. But I could probably sing most of um, the songs on here. And for the ones I don't know the actual lyrics for, I could give you the melody. But I just... So yeah, there's, uh, um, that's my uh, number seven. Cool. So essentially, we are at the, the top... Uh, one of this podcast but it's actually number six in the top ten yes so this is the last one that we're talking about on the podcast um, on this episode and uh, so I'm wondering I'm wondering especially as I, I switched places just before we recorded uh, my, uh, my five and six because I realised I had to um, I'm wondering if not uh, we've ended up randomly lining up like a certain uh, band on this uh, particular one. I don't know why. No, not number six. No? You definitely would not definitely have Definitely not your number six? No, 100% guarantee you, you have not put The Concrete Confessional by Hatebreed as your number six. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Or, or, or is, that, is that one of your shockers? <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, 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 I love Jamie Jaster. Yeah. I, I do like Hatebreed. I mean, you know I'll happily watch them any time. Because we did them at Warped years ago. Yeah. Um, as the first time I saw them. Um, but no. The only um, reason you go to watch them now is so you can do administer first aid on me because I come out of retirement. They're oh, the only uh, band I will go in the pit for. Like, not just like headbang, actually in the pit I throwing will, down. I injure people. myself yeah. and, and others. But I'll pick them all up afterwards and say, mm. oh, sorry, and then go and buy them tea. <laughs> I know first aid. I'm a first aider at work. <laughs> Very true. Oh, no, that does remind me of the time that we. We shut down a gig because somebody got injured um, because oh, uh, yeah, yeah. we know so much. But we can't talk about that because that would not be... Um, Professional. Exactly. But um, if we're in a gig, uh, the essential point is is you have two people that know how to look after injured uh, pit-goers. So if we're there, we have guardian angels. So yes, Concrete Confessional was my number six. Um, give, me a, give me the top track off of that one. Is that the... Uh, probably AD. Yep. Uh, that looking down the barrel of the gun is probably the highest streamed one off the album. I know that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it came out in May uh, 2016 on Nuclear Blast. Ah, cool. So you switched from Roadrunner for uh, an album. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. There's only one more Roadrunner to go. And wait, 2016, <laughs> was this also, yeah, this was around the point that you had just like sort of realised you'd been listening to every podcast Jamie Jaster had released for like a year, wasn't it? Oh, I've listened to every single episode of his podcast. Yeah, but it was around the uh, this album release, um, because I remember listening to the podcast. I think this is when I got you into the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was because you said, like, I've actually been listening to it and this a year, and I didn't realise until recently, it had been a year until yeah. uh, sort of you mentioned it on the podcast. Um, so yeah, we we got quite a bit of an attachment to um, this album. Hate Brady, yeah, yeah, this album, because it's talked about so much um, in the podcasts before and afterwards. It's just, it's a really aggressive music, which I quite like, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but with a positive feed to it. A bit like uh, Killswitch do as well. Mm, like very much so. Proper, yeah. They, they, yeah, they touch about, you know, his lyrics touch touch me, man. There's no other way of saying it. His lyrics just, uh, you know, I can relate to them. They're relatable to me because, they, as well, Jamie Jaster is only a month or so older than me. Yeah. Not even that his birthday is middle of August and mine's the second week in September. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, we are very, very similar in age, so I can relate to a lot of the stuff he, he talks about. Plus, I've followed his career since, you know, before, like, Hatebreed really took off when he was on MTV and things like that. It's okay. just like... Oh, I remember him, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then get into the band, then the podcast, and then this album came out, and I'm like, cool, oh, now we've got the opportunity to interview him. And it was a hell of a drive to get there, but it was worth <laughs> Five it. Five hours there. It was worth it to back. tick it off the bucket list. Oh, but 100%. Not just to be able to go up and say, oh, it's worth going up, you know, five-hour journey just to talk about the new album, but we could talk about the podcast as well. And 
it was more open kind of conversation. So. And we are sort of waiting um, for an appropriate opportunity because we would love to um, do what we did with uh, Stocksy um, with Jamie Jasper. Oh, that'd be amazing, um, wouldn't it? Just do a podcast with another podcaster, but also, you know, lead singer of Hatebreed um, and everything that he's done. And I just, what I like as well is he, he's quite clearly got some defined um, sort of ideas, but his podcast is a journey and a discovery. And he, as he says, he's learning along the way and that's uh, been one of the best things about it. And I love how openly he talks about it. That's why, even though I'm not the biggest fan of um, Hatebreed in the sense of naming every track they could do, yeah. I know a metric fuck ton about Hatebreed because I've listened to the podcast so much. And that's been awesome. And what's even um, more exciting is that there's a new album in 2020. Amazing. And a world tour. They're supporting Parkway Drive on their arena tour as well. So good. So, yes. There we go. Uh, Hatebreed Concrete Confessional. Is your number six slash number one of uh, part one of the podcast? Yes. So mine. It's going to be no surprise to you because we worked out as we were um, writing these lists that this does feature... Um, <laughs> But mine is um, the 100 ah. subculture. So this dropped. I have got it, but it's in my. It's higher. <laughs> That's on the next podcast. Tune in to find out where they come. <laughs> <laughs> this dropped for me now. Um, in that case, because it's on yours as well, um, I will just say it was 29th of August 2014. Um, but. No, as many of the words as I'm able to rap slash scream on this one. Um, it has never dropped from my regular listening from the moment it came out. I think it was on 24-hour repeat loop whilst we lived together. Well, I was going to say, that so. is an, another reason why I will always love this EP. Is we used this track to work out to, to pre-drink to, to cook to to do everything to. shower and shit too yeah, <laughs> not <was>. together <laughs> we might have lived together but there are some things well no it was possible in that house because we did have two toilets yeah yeah so uh but no um honestly this, about the showering yeah um, this one is just you know 100 percent a a a lasting moment in time that I've kept with me because it's got such positive memories. We love, and it was our first house that this definitely featured in more. So we lived together in two houses, but this one was just like, you know, um, it was just the thing. And then when we'd have people over, we'd play it. But also, do you know what bangs about this one? Is All it, of it. Um, no, Which is why it's in my top five. But that's <laughs> kind of giving it away. But <laughs> it, um, I'm just shout out to Unleashed. Um, because every time I've dropped that as a DJ, it has not failed to just decimate. Absolutely. So, sorry, Mike. No, no, I'll go. I'll, I'll give my reasons in the next episode of the Real Life Rockstars podcast. So we should just wrap this one up again. Um, we talked about it quite a lot in this one, but we are sponsored by Fireball, and we do really appreciate that because they sponsored us without even hearing a podcast that we had done uh, just on the vision that we had for it so. and just word of mouth of our radio show exactly so we're immensely thankful uh for that sponsorship end of year thank outs to the um sort of the main member of uh, team mjrs as well that helps us get things done which is uh, martha f photo uh, go check her out she is our friend and our photographer that does both our promo shots some of our gig shots um and uh, generally helps us with visual editing and when you don't know how to do something. She's been super patient this year and really helpful. So big shout out to her. Massive shout out to um, the two uh, people that made uh, this podcast uh, possible as well. I'm gonna do oh, this thanks, mate. <laughs> I'm going to do this on the next one as well. But um, Ryan Hartford Artwork, um, or Graphic Designer, I can't remember which his uh, social media handle is because he's only just made it. Um, but whilst at uni, uh, made all of our branding for this um, and has just given us a... Um, sexy stickling of our other logos so keep your eye out for uh, everything being updated around the time that this podcast drops I'm super excited um, and Charlie Bowes of uh, Seething Akira um, not in my top 10 I'm afraid Charlie yeah, unfor- but you do make not. a banging ring, um, intro to podcast and again another um, one of our intros that is repeatedly commented on um, and everything like that and uh, fuck it, why not? I'm going to um, shout out one that isn't strictly related to podcasts, is purely a Mike James Rock show, but Charlie Smith of Mind Art Visual uh, made our intro um, and various different versions. Again, super patient with us getting it 
exactly right for the various different places that we put our show um, and singly the most commented um, uh, factor of everything that we have on YouTube is the one comment we get over and over again is uh, can we listen to the full song of it it's like well actually it's part of uh, the the long um, intro that we have to the show and then it's just a looping sort of 30 seconds of the same uh, sound but we're super proud of it it's lovely and you know thank you to um, Charlie for uh, getting that sorted for us he's that's the second of intros that he's done for us in 2010 cool um, so that's everybody that's helped us uh, like, at least that I can remember that deserves uh, you to go look at their stuff we'll do more kudos and love for the next podcast but it is sort of the end of year podcast so. it is it's the top 10 albums of the decade top 5 yes well this one part 2 so uh, yeah it'll come out in a couple of weeks time closer to the end of year I guess indeed so um, enjoy as it as always thank you for um, doing a listen yes especially if you got to this point yeah, well congratulations we'll, we'll proud of you yeah yeah I, I'm deeply touched and moved <sighs> real life rock stars podcast